The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today's message concludes a sermon begun yesterday on our fourth article of faith, which deals with the doctrine of original sin. That doctrine simply teaches that Adam sinned in the garden, and because he sinned, all of his posterity were plunged under the curse of sin. And indeed, the entire creation was plunged into the curse of sin. Yesterday, we talked primarily about the fact that sin is exceedingly sinful in the sight of God. And because of the exceeding sinfulness of sin, we need a Savior that can completely save us. You see, the reason for the doctrine of election is the fact that man died in Adam, and we have no ability to recover ourselves in and of ourselves. Indeed, we need a complete Savior who will save us to the uttermost. And I'm thankful that we have such a Savior in the Lord Jesus Christ. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
Man was the culmination. Man was the pinnacle of his creative act. And when man was created after his creation, God said, it is very good. My point is this. God made the right representative. In fact, we're told back in verse uh, 26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And he goes on to talk about what he was going to do with man and what he, what he was going to put man in charge with. But notice that man, Adam, was created in the image of God. He was created after the likeness of God. And he was very good. And here's my point. Do you believe God is all-knowing and all-powerful and perfect in every detail? I do, and I believe that he would have picked the right representative for me. I would leave it in God's hand to pick the right representative, the one that would be the best representative, that would be much better than me. See, you say, oh, I wish I'd been there, preacher. Well, if you'd been there, you'd have probably been like me. And I, as soon as God said, you can eat of all these trees everywhere, but just not that one, I'd have said, where? <laughs> and made a beeline for it. You know, that's the way it tends to be in my life. And the things I'm forbidden to do, that's what I want to do. The things I, places I'm forbidden to go, that's where I want to go. God gave him everything out there. He didn't, you know, people think about it. Why did God restrict Adam? He didn't restrict Adam. He said, of every tree out here you can eat. We're going to read it in a minute. Of every tree. You can go anywhere in this entire world. Adam had achieved the, uh, the goal of the, of the Napoleons of this world, the Hitlers of this world, all of the, all of the, one, the Alexander the Greats of this world who, who desired to achieve world domination. Adam was in charge of the entire world. <laughs> Adam had reached that pinnacle that all these, some wicked men from history are trying to reach to, to control the world. And Adam had dominion over the entire world. But God said, don't eat of that tree. <laughs> you know, and that's, in fact, that's what we're going to see the devil use. He tried to narrow his focus and twist the words of God. And that tempted them to do what they did. Over in, let me, let me just deal with one issue too before we go any further. There are those who teach that God purposed for Adam to do what he did, that he created Adam and he put him in the garden either by predestinating him to eat of the fruit of the tree or by decreeing in some way that he eat of the fruit of the tree uh, and that it was ultimately God's plan that Adam eat of that fruit. There's actually two terms uh, about that that I think both get it wrong. There's a, a term called supralapsarianism, which is the doctrine that God decreed both election and reprobation and the, uh, and the fall of Adam uh, as a means of carrying out his divine purposes. And then there's infralapsarianism that says, God foresaw that he would fall, and after he fell, he then decreed election as a means of saving the human race. Both of those are wrong, by the way. Both of those are wrong. Uh, that first one, supralapsarianism, is just pure absolutism. God did not predestinate or decree the fall of Adam. Because we look over here in Romans chapter 5 again, and notice in verse 19, you know, we always need to answer these uh, these issues with scripture in verse 19 we read as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners speaking of Adam and his fall now I don't know about you but I, I doing what my daddy said was obedience not disobedience <laughs> not disobedience daddy my daddy never spanked me for obeying him but he spanked me many times for disobeying him 
And you see here, we're told that this was the Adam's disobedience. He was not obeying. He was going contrary to the will of God. And then you say, well, maybe God just kind of threw it out there and see what would happen. And then after Adam fell, he said, oops, we got to do something now. And let's, uh, let's, let's back up and, and retool and, and prepare somebody to go uh, save his elect children. Well, that's not correct either. See, God already knew what was going to happen. And we read over in 1 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 1 and verse 18. We'll just begin there. A very familiar passage to you. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18, we're, we're told that uh, uh, Peter wrote, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now listen, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. God didn't make a mistake. God didn't, didn't wait on some contingency to happen. God had already foreordained his son to be the savior of his elect children. So be that as it may, I just wanted to throw that out there because we don't need to be confused by either of those uh, those issues, those teachings. So Adam was our federal head representative, and he represents the best that we would be even without a sin nature. He didn't have a sin nature, and yet he still sinned. So let's look at what Adam did. And that brings us to our, uh, also to our article of faith, article four, the doctrine of original sin. In Genesis chapter two, in verse 15, after he was created, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Did you know there's only ever been two messages preached from any pulpit in the world, not just in Christian religions, in any religion. There's only ever been two messages. The first message is, thou shalt surely die. The other message is, thou shalt not surely die. And we're going to see in Genesis chapter 3, it's the devil that preached that last one. Either man is dead in trespasses and in sins, or he's not. And if he's not dead, he can do something to save himself. But if he is dead in trespasses and in sins, he can't do anything. God said, in the day you eat thereof, you will die. You will die. And he's not just talking about physical death. Although, if you'll notice, over in 2 Peter, we're told that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. Nobody ever lived to be a thousand. You ever notice that? Methuselah lived to be 969. <laughs> So in one sense, in that day, as God looks upon days, Adam died. He lived to be 930 years, but he didn't make it to 1,000. So physically, he began to die that day, and he died uh, before that 1,000 years was up. But, uh, but more importantly, he died spiritually in that he was separated from God. That's what death is. Death is a separation. We're not, you know, it's not my, my father dying back in, 2000, uh, uh, back in 2020. Uh, it wouldn't have been a big deal if I could give, still go see him and talk to him. 
Uh, may, you know, maybe he, he turned into some kind of spirit, but I can still converse with him. That wouldn't be a big deal, would it? It's the separation that bothers us. It's being apart from those that we love that bothers us. That's what death is all about, and that's what happened to Adam. In the third chapter there, we're told the story that you know so well that the serpent came. He was more subtle than any beast of the field. He began to question what God said and to twist what God said. Remember in verse 1 there, he said, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. <laughs> That's not what God said. I've already dealt with that. God said you need of every tree, just not that one. That's a big difference, isn't it? A difference in focus, difference in perspective. God's given me all this liberty, and I can do all these things. He just said don't, don't eat of this tree. Or God won't let me eat of this tree. You know, that's a different perspective, isn't it? And I'm sorry to say that's the perspective we have. And that's the, if you want to know who promotes that perspective, you see it right here. The devil. And, of course, you know the rest of the story. He tells her in verse 4, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good from evil. And she looked up. You know, most sin begins with a little look. The woman saw. She saw. You better, you better protect your eyes, child of God. Job said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? You know, you say, wait a minute, shouldn't he have said, why, should, why then should I look upon a maid? No, he knew that the eyes were the gateway to the mind. And the things you see are imprinted there, so guard your eyes. She saw the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired, to make one wise. And she took of the fruit and ate, gave to her husband, and he ate. And you know the rest of that story. The consequences were immediate and catastrophic. I said earlier, if you skip on down there and you'll see, as for the woman, she's going to have, notice in verse 16, under the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. But notice in verse 17, unto Adam he said because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife and eaten of the tree which I commanded thee saying thou shalt not eat of it cursed is the ground for thy sake you want to you know why the thorns and the thistles and the morning glories grow in the garden and they bring down you want to know why the kudzu will destroy a planted pine plantation Sherry's got some planted over on her mama's place and We've got wisteria. I thought wisteria was a pretty plant, and it is. And it's tearing down acres of her pines. It's pulling them down. You know why? You can blame it right here on Adam. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it of all, all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. He goes on to talk about making our living in the sweat of our face. And I know what that's all about. I've seen it, I've done it, you've done it. And that's where we are today, and it's because of Adam. And even worse, even worse, death entered into this pristine, pure world of the Garden of Eden. Down in verse 21, it says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. First sacrifice we see right here. You know what that was too? That was the first gospel message being preached. You know, that's one thing. As, as, as 
awful and destructive and catastrophic as this day was, aren't you thankful that our God loved us with an everlasting love to the point where even on the worst day of creation, the worst day of this universe, the worst day not just of Adam's life, but of the life of all humanity, on that day, he preached two gospel messages. He preached the gospel message to the serpent. He said unto thee, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It, that is her seed, shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. See, he's already prophesying the coming Messiah because you don't talk about the woman's seed anywhere else in the scripture. That doesn't, it doesn't work that way. But yet in this case, it's the seed of the woman, not the seed of the man. It's the seed of Mary uh, upon whom the Holy Ghost came and and. and through whom came the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ being born in, into that stable on that blessed night in Bethlehem. And, and it says that that seed will bruise your head, serpent. You know, a head wound is a, is a fatal wound. He says it'll bruise your heel. <laughs> now, you, or you'll, blue, you'll bruise his heel, but it'll bruise your head. It's, it's a fatal wound that he's going to bring to you. And then he slew this animal, showing them that it's going to take death. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take blood to put away your sin. So, so where does that leave us as we bring this to a close? Well, in nature, it leaves us in the image of Adam rather than in the image of God. You don't have to turn there, but read the fifth chapter of Genesis sometimes. The, very, the third verse talks about the first child born to them, or well, after Cain and Abel. A young man named Seth, it says that Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image. And they called him Seth. This child that was born was born not in the image of God anymore, but in the image of his father Adam. You see, and all through that chapter, it talks about fathers begetting sons in their own likeness and after their own image. So we're born in the likeness and the image of our father Seth. Yes, there still is a resemblance to God. I get that, that we're still in a great way um, the pinnacle of God's creation. But, but it leaves us the image of Adam instead of the image of God. It leaves us unable in and of ourselves to recover from the fallen state that we are in by nature. Isn't that what we read in our article of faith, article 4, that we uh, believed in the impotency or the inability of man's recovery in and of himself from the fallen state in which he is by nature? 1 Corinthians 2.14 tells us about that. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. Those who are only born in nature only have a, nat a natural man, only have the old Adam man, and they do not have desire for the things of God, and even if they had that desire, they could not attain unto them. As I've said before, we're in the situation that we would not come to him if we could, and we could not come to him if we would. John 6, tells us that. No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. Uh, John 5, 40 tells us the position we're in with our will. Ye will not come unto me that ye might have eternal life. Oh, but Psalm 110 and verse 3 tells us, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. See, it's the day of God's power that they become willing. It's the day of God's power that they have power, you see. It leaves us without hope in Adam. 
Where are we today? Without hope in Adam. Remember Ephesians chapter 2. We'll just turn there. Ephesians chapter 2 and uh, let's begin looking in verse 13, I believe. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13. I'm sorry. Verse uh, 11. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Now notice where we were. Now this is talking specifically about the Gentiles, and we are Gentiles, but it was talking about the difference between Gentiles and Jews, but it applies across the board. Think about this. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's where we are in Adam. No hope and without God. What did Adam do immediately after the fall? He ran and hid in the very creation that God had made. He tried to cover his sin with fig leaves. And I don't know if you know much about fig leaves, but fig leaves, they're pretty nice and big and leafy to start with. But when they dry up, they just crumble like dust. Right now in Adam, that's where we are. But I want to say to you, beloved, i got a better story for you than that as we bring this to a close. It leaves us without hope in Adam, but it leaves us with our only hope in Christ. Notice verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. He goes on to talk about how that he was our peace. He made both one. He brought the Gentile and Jew together. And ultimately... Our hope is a better hope. Hebrews 7 and verse 19 tells us that. He's a better hope. The law didn't make anything perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did. And in fact, in Hebrews chapter 6, beginning about verse 13 over there, he tells us that the hope we have in Christ is a hope that is both sure and steadfast and an anchor of the soul. It's based on the immutable promise of God. It's not based on the feeble efforts of men. And so Paul could cry out in despair, both in despair and in hope. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, we've been delivered from that hopeless state in Adam that he plunged us in, that impotency of recovery in and of ourselves because of the original sin of Adam. He has delivered us from that. And how has he delivered us? Titus 3, 5 tells us, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. See, beloved, election is absolutely necessary for our salvation because if we are ever to be saved, God has to do it. It's not that we initiated and God completes it. It's not that God initiated it and we complete it. God had to do the whole thing from start to finish because in Adam, we lost the ability. Adam had free will. Adam was given free. He was made in the image and likeness of God. He's the only person who's ever possessed true free will in this world because he was able to please God or he was able to break that commandment. But when he broke that commandment, he plunged us into a state to where our will is in bondage to our nature. You know, a dog acts like a dog because he has the nature of a dog. 
A goat acts like a goat because he has the nature of a goat. A sheep acts like a sheep because he has the nature of a sheep. And if you've got that sheep in you, if you're a sheep, if you're a, one of the elect children of God who's been born of the Spirit and now possess that nature, that's a sheep-like nature as opposed to the old Adam nature, you too now have free will to please Him or not please Him. Not free will to come to Him in an everlasting eternal sense, but the freedom of will to serve Him. And if you see yourself as a sinner you are, and you understand, as Paul did, that I'm a wretched man and that I need deliverance from the body of this death, that's evidence that we're going to see it in the next message in our next article of faith. That's evidence that something has happened to you that has to happen to you in order for you to have a vital relationship with God, and that's called the new birth. A baby doesn't cry to get born. A baby cries because he's been born. If you're crying over your sin, if you're crying out because of the the sin, exceeding sinfulness of sin that you see in yourself is because the Lord has already delivered you and now you can serve Him. See, that's where we are. The hopelessness in Adam has turned into great hope that's sure and steadfast and an anchor of the soul in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why election is necessary in order for us to go to heaven. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.